Welcome to Your Partner in Success Radio, a program that values the potential of knowledge, collaboration, and growth. The show is hosted by Denise Griffiths, who is known as an intensely curious nerd in stilettos. Each Wednesday, she is joined by co-host Ben Gay III, a renowned figure in the sales world. Ben is recognized for introducing The Closers, one of the most popular and powerful sales training materials ever produced. Having been mentored by Dr. Napoleon Hill himself, Ben has gained a wealth of knowledge in sales and life. Throughout the show, Denise and Ben delve into the world of sales, entrepreneurship, and success, exploring Ben's vast experience from guiding and mentoring countless professionals to achieve unparalleled success in their careers. Together, they offer unmatched guidance to listeners seeking success in their professional endeavors. Good morning and welcome to the latest episode of the Closers Inner Circle Podcast with Ben Gay III and Denise Griffiths, and it's hosted by your partner in Success Radio. Now, this is where we unravel the complex dynamics between conditions and objections in the world of sales, and we're always taking a deep dive into the reality that even the most seasoned sales professionals can't close. So Ben joins me, and that's actually from last week, so listen to what I was saying there because I'll mention that again in a minute. So Ben joins me each Wednesday where we discuss sales mastery and honestly anything else that crosses our minds. So today we are, and we're working from Ben's famous sales books, the sales Bibles actually. And we worked last week from Closers Part 2, page 101 titled Conditions versus Objections. I got a little ahead of myself. But today, and I'm sorry, it wasn't last week. It was two weeks ago because we weren't here Last week, it was Thanksgiving. I think we're all still clutching our tummies and groaning. But today, we are working from the Closers Part 2, page 199, Gigi's Plan A and Plan B interview. So here's the thing. In the world of sales, where success hinges on effective communication and strategic thinking, having a Plan A and a Plan B sales qualification script is a, it's a game changer. And Ben talks a lot about scripts. We talk a lot about these during these Wednesday chats that we have. So these scripts not only empower sales professionals to navigate conversations with confidence, but they also ensure that time, that most precious resource, is used judicious, judiciously for both parties involved. And as the saying goes, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. And in sales, a well-prepared script can make all the difference between a missed opportunity and a closed deal. So let's talk a bit about plan A. That's precision in each pitch, every single pitch. Crafted for the ideal scenario, plan A delves into prospects' needs, challenges, and desires, enabling a tailored pitch that builds rapport and increases the likelihood of a successful deal. Then we get to plan B, which is agile adaptation for success. In the unpredictable world of sales, and we know it's unpredictable, Plan B equips sales professionals to handle unexpected objections, showcasing resilience and flexibility. It's so important. The key advantage after all that chat, my point is the key advantage lies in time efficiency. <clears throat> Excuse me. A streamlined process quickly identifies qualified leads and it respects both the seller's and the buyer's time. And for those of you who are wondering who Gigi is, she is Ben's wife and an entrepreneur in her own right. Ben, good morning. Happy Thanksgiving, belatedly. 
So it's good good to hear your voice. I've missed you. Yeah, I went through withdrawal last week. <laughs> I, uh, Wednesday came. I felt like there's something missing here, and it was our show. <clears throat> I, didn't and, see I kept looking at my schedule going, I know I'm supposed to be doing something right now. <laughs> yeah. It's become a part of my regular routine. I, I still write it on the calendar and yellow highlight it and so on, but I don't need to. I don't need to look at my calendar to know that I'm not doing anything else uh, at the appointed hour on a Wednesday. And uh, so I, I write it down. I think this is sort of silly, but Dr. Hill told me to write it down anyway. And uh, so I still do it. But it was it was really weird when 10 o'clock came around uh, a week ago morning and uh, <clears throat> you and I weren't going to be on the show. No, I actually started to text you, and I thought, no, we're off today. Leave the man alone. (laughs) It was hard, though. It was difficult. Good to have you back, and uh, I hope you you had a good Thanksgiving, as did we. And uh, I I told you before we got on, we went to a restaurant, so uh, didn't have to buy groceries, uh, didn't have to, Gigi didn't have to cook, I didn't have to pretend to help. And I didn't have to clean up. So uh, although it was a little pricey, frankly, I thought, well, would you rather be home cooking and cleaning? I thought, no, this will be good. <laughs> we'll we'll cooked, go with this. I cooked for three days, but I love, I love Thanksgiving. Look, I love all the holidays, you know, November, October, November, December. They're all, that's my time of year. And people say, oh, you know, why do you? you're not going to have a big crowd this year. Why are you going to cook it? But I started thinking about that. And I realized that there's so much nostalgia for, for most women in particular. Yeah. And I started polling my female friends. I said, are you noticing or have you recognized that you basically cooked the same meal that your mama cooked back in the day? And we all went, yeah, we do with very few variations. So there's a lot of nostalgia there. Well, if I, I did, did that, I would heat up stofers. My oh. my mother didn't like to cook, and and was not a a spectacular cook. She had a couple of nice dishes, but Dad was a food broker, and one of our lines was stofers. So uh-huh. down in the basement were two or three commercial freezers, and uh, dinner was just send someone downstairs and uh, come back with some stofers. I went over to visit my mom and sister and all one time when I was in Atlanta long after we'd moved to California and my sister had a new boyfriend and he said um, I understand we're going to have uh, one of your favorite meals from your mother and I looked at my sister who was standing behind him and she shrugged her shoulders uh, because she didn't know what our favorite meal was either well it turned out it was four of those you know for two macaroni and cheese type things from Stokers. Oh, I've never had their food. I don't eat stuff that has pretty packaging. Yeah. I like to cook it. Of the prepackaged stuff, Stokers is good. In fact, if you've ever eaten in a Stokers restaurant, no. you're eating the restaurant sizes of oh. frozen Stokers. I'll have to try uh, it. it. It's really good. I've I'm not sure I can tell the difference, but anyway, it turned out our favorite dish was for lasagna, pardon me. It was four lasagnas, those individual packages laid out in a baking dish 
and then the cracks were covered with cheddar cheese, I think. So when it melted, you couldn't tell that it was four separate frozen things. So that was our giggling point all through dinner that this guy said, oh, I can see why you why you like this. This is sure good. And I'd look over at my mother and she'd glare at me like not a single word. Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt like if you want seconds, there's more in the basement. Jeez. Yeah. That would you know, and you already had trouble with your mom and Santa, so that would have been a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I when I'm cooking, yeah, I'm in there thinking, okay, this is exactly the way my mom did it. I learned, you know, from her and from my grandma. I've been cooking all my life. I love it. And then it occurred to me that this year I said, I'm not making yams. I like yams as long as they're unsullied. You know, cook them, mm-hmm. bake put a little maybe a little butter a little salt and pepper but the minute you put syrup brown sugar marshmallows on a yam you have committed murder i'm not eating that stuff (laughs) (laughs) this year no yams we did acorn squash instead it was delicious well i'm happy for you ours was good and oddly enough this year nobody had uh turkey it was on the menu but uh, Gigi and our son our youngest tony had prime rib and some of the traditional stuff, you know, was, was there. And I had, uh, I think it was halibut with some sort of fish in a crust. It was about as good as fish can get, but I did feel when we left, I'm not a huge Turkey fan. It's once a year is plenty and I want plenty of gravy on it and stuff to yeah, moisten it up. But uh, it it was excellent, although I had a little twinge of guilt because at Thanksgiving, you're just sort of supposed to eat turkey. Well, yeah, and a little bit of cranberry, as long as it's not a can and has those, you know, rims around The rings. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get that stuff at all, but it was nice. Thanksgiving was nice. And, you know, now I have to put everything away and get ready for Christmas. And this is the time of year when I go, I don't want to. I just want to leave my stuff up and just, you know, keep on going with October and November and pretend like that's all the way to January. But of course I can't do that, but it was, it was nice. And I think everybody I know had a terrific Thanksgiving, which is good. I didn't hear any awful tales or, you know, murders or going to the hospital because I ate something stupid. So I think everybody was okay this year. Or political fights. No political fights. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. So let's talk about, yeah, and we are in Gigi's plan. I really want people to know what her plan was and how she, how did she come up with this? Because this was quite probably a among the, I wasn't there. And that chapter, by the way, shows what a great salesperson I am. I was courting Gigi when I wrote that chat, when I wrote the book. And when I got to that chapter, uh, she had told me in a casual conversation at somebody else's party uh, about how she learned a lesson in selling and so on. So I took that. But as you notice, if you go through the book, she's the only name mentioned in the title. That was called Ben Gay is trying to get Gigi Ronzoni's attention because he's in love with her and he's going to stalk her till he gets her. And does uh, she know this? Because if she didn't, she does now. Yeah. <laughs> so if uh, if uh, 
I wasn't known as a good salesperson in the beginning. My friends kid me about, you know, they'll say, uh, how did you get together and why do you put up with him and so on? And somebody will always say, read Gigi's plan A and plan B interview. Not only did he write about her to get her, he's followed that lesson himself. And I have some of my biggest and best clients follow Gigi's plan A and B, whether I tell them that's the title or not, but it follows along the same lines. Here's what the magic was. Gigi is a very quiet, shy person until she gets to know you. Uh, she's the type who could, if she weren't so pretty, could be in a room and nobody would notice her. She doesn't want to be noticed. She doesn't wear bright clothing and and uh, so on. She likes to just be the second fiddle. And uh, when she was growing up, they all used to call her the sweater holder because when they oh. went to the fair or something, they all wanted to ride the wild mouse and the Ferris wheel. And Gigi would always say, I'll hold your coats. And so they're up whirling around on the whatever machine. And you could always spot Gigi, I'm told, uh, standing at the bottom with five coats over her arm, waiting for them to come back down. So she's not your typical hard charging salesperson, but she was very good at real estate, did quite well. But she wasn't one of those hard-bitten real estate people or real estate ladies. Sometimes you want to see how tough a woman can be, get her a real, a real estate license. Uh, <clears throat> and somebody in her office, a gentleman, uh, said to her one day, uh, how much money is there in being a tour guide exactly? And she said, I don't know. I've never been a tour guide. He said, oh, yeah, you are almost every day. When it's your up, somebody walks in and uh, they we live in a country area. So we draw San Francisco and Sacramento and some of the bigger areas around us. They want to come up and see how the, the hillbillies live and tour our Christmas tree farms and pick our apples and so on. And they're just fascinated by the geography. And it is quite pretty. We're in the foothills of the Sierras right down the hill from Lake Tahoe. And uh, so they come in, well, we'd like to look at some houses, fine, bang, they're in the car driving around for the rest of the day. And uh, more often than not, they say, well, we'll get back to you. We really appreciate it. And of course, that'd be the last they ever, she ever saw them. So this gentleman uh, said, you got to qualify them up front, not prejudge, but you got to qualify them up front. Because a lot of these people, and I think I mentioned it in that chapter, they don't have enough money to put gas in their car to get back home. And you're showing them in those days, $200,000, $300,000 homes. Now they'd be knocking on a million minimum. And you're driving around the countryside and there's no clothes on earth. First of all, there's no clothes on earth that will sell a lady a home she doesn't want. So that that's a wonderful problem in real estate. And then there's no clothes on earth that will sell someone or close someone on buying a house they can't afford, can't underline, because that's a condition, not an objection. So you got to find out which one it was. So Gigi sat down and it was finished before I heard it and wrote it down in the book, but I think I got it almost word for word. She would sit down with people as they came in and uh, lure them over to her desk sit them down and, and say, okay, what are we, what are we doing today? What, you know, what are we up to? 
and I'm paraphrasing, but that was the gist of it, get to know them because she's so sweet and everybody instantly loves her. And uh, they would say, well, we're looking at houses, we're thinking about moving in the area and so on. She said, all right, I've got two ways we can approach this. One, I need some information from you. And then she get out a little form she had put together from other form, uh, bits and pieces of other qualification type forms. How many uh, uh, bedrooms do you want? Do you have to be near a school? If so, high school, grammar school, middle school, what? Uh, and and sort of get the outline of what they were looking for so they don't spend time looking at things. You can't show, there is no two-bedroom house on earth I would buy, for instance. I like three bedrooms, one for family, one extra one for family, one extra one for guests. Even if it's never used, I just feel better. And we've had, uh, currently we have five bedrooms, which is two more than we need, but there's a there's a, some parameters for houses that I'm willing to look at. And then on top of that, uh, Gigi has the final vote. Any man who's semi-intelligent will know that the woman picks the house. And he, he may have a hand in picking the budget, but she picks the house. So she would fill out the little thing. And then when she had the information she needed, she said, now, there are two ways we can work together. I see what you want to look at, and I can give you a list of addresses. Back then, they didn't, when she first developed this, they didn't have GPS and all that. She said, give them a map. <laughs> and, uh, but here, you can go out and look at some houses that fit your broad parameters. And uh, if you see anything you like, call me, come back to the office, whatever, and I'll help you with the paperwork and, and making an offer and everything. Or if for some reason you bump into some other realtor out there who's maybe got one of the listings and you wind up doing business with them, no hard feelings. But you'll be on your own wandering around in El Dorado County. And invariably, she said, they will say, well, what's, what's plan B? <laughs> she said, well, plan B is I get up from this desk because I know you're qualified from the information you've already given me. And I take you around to the houses. I know the area better. And you you will do business with me, but that's good news because I'll find your house. I probably know the sellers. Um, and uh, I'll find your moving company because I've already found them. If you need to use one locally, I've got them on, under contract. And your finance, uh, I have two or three people that I highly recommend that will treat you right because they're friends of mine and uh, I'm one of their clients. And at the title company, it's not some mystery. You have, you have to swing in at the last minute and sign some stuff. But basically, at the title company, all I have to do is say, hi, this is Gigi and your, your program is underway. So there are some advantages in doing business with me. Therefore, do you want plan A where you wander around or plan B where I take you by the hand and guide you through this frightening process? And invariably, they would say plan B, please. And she said, fine. The only thing I required in plan B is that you commit to working with me. The house you buy in this area will be sold through me. And uh, at least as one of the agents, if there's a selling agent already or whatever. And uh, is it fair enough? Yep. She'd spin the paper around, say, sign here. 
don't obligate you to anything other than bind through me. And invariably they would sign it and off they would go. Now you have a serious buyer and you know what they're looking for. And there can, you know, I have that phrase made up years ago. People buy from people they know, like, trust, and with whom they feel safe. Got added a few years later. You now have them feeling safe. Mother is going to take them through the harrowing experience, harrowing experience of buying a piece of real estate in an area they don't know from people they've never dealt with. But that's okay because Gigi has my hand. And on that basis, her closing rate shot up dramatically and her wasted time went to almost nothing because you've, you've made this. And this there's a subtlety in here that I didn't even put in the book because, frankly, I hadn't thought of it till I taught from that chapter several times. The other thing that's going on besides qualification is, is a uh, alternate choice close. But they have an option of not buying from you, not dealing with you, or buying from you under some condition. So what we're saying to them is, you're going to be a customer. What kind of customer do you want to be? A wandering generality driving through the countryside, hoping something jumps out of the bushes at you? Or a meaningful, specific customer? But either way, I'm going to take care of you and, and do business with you. So when they say plan B, as most did, uh, and, and some, she said, saved her a great deal of time. So well, really, we're just sort of looking and we don't have anything in mind and we'd have to sell our house. Fantastic. Here's a list of 10 places you ought to go look at. And here's a map to find them. And she'd circle them on the map uh, and send them off. But what you really said is, are you going to buy a house? And if so, do you understand you, you buy it from me? Right. And so they, they haven't even seen a house yet, but they've agreed they are a customer or a client of hers. So it saved an enormous amount of time uh, and got commitments in that you're driving around with a paid uh, prospect or a paid customer before they see the house. Now we're just down to finding the house. It was done to me in the house we live in now and it's guest house. And it was done to me. I called a lady friend before I knew Gigi uh, and uh, said to her, uh, she, she said to me, what, what are you looking for? We just moved to the area. And I said, well, you know, this is sort of goofy. But I've always wanted, since I stayed in one at Lake Lanier in Atlanta, I've always wanted an A-frame. And Buckminster Fuller, uh, Fuller is a dear friend of mine, uh, has worked with me in seminars, and I've always wanted a dome home because he designed or figured out that a dome was a perfect thing for a house. Turned not out, really. not, turned out not to be true, but... Yeah. Uh, he thought it. He thought they have it was no retail. Nobody wants those darn things. <laughs> so uh, I said, you know, an A-frame or a dome house. Jan called. Jan Dowen was her name. Jan called me back. Uh, probably later that day, no later than the next day, and said, "Ben, I've got your house." Uh, and I said, "Okay." She says, "Meet me at," and I drove to the address she gave me. There was ten acres on a hill and right on top of the hill was a dome house 
uh, brown shingle dome house and on five sides of it, over the front door, over the back door, over three of the bedrooms were A-frames. They were mainly just decorative to let light in, but nevertheless, it had five A-frames attached to or built into a dome house. And she said, you moved out here in the country, probably not to be in the, the suburbs like you've been in your whole life, and you wanted an A-frame dome house, there it is. And we walked through it, and it was it was interesting, more interesting when I walked through it than it was two years later after I'd lived in it a while. <laughs> Uh, Bucky Filler was uh, Fuller was gone by then, but I wanted to go to his grave and say you lied to me. <laughs> <laughs> but it was yeah, what, what it was what he sold me on, and it was what I told Jan, and it's exactly what she found. Jan didn't know about Gigi's Plan A and B, but she was using it. Right. Uh, she went she went to Plan B, and so when she drove me up the driveway, I mean. What are you going to say? You said you wanted an A-frame. You got five. And you wanted a dome house. There it is. And you want some property around you. Here's 10 acres. An acre, by the way, to our city folk who are listening to this, is roughly a football field. So that's 10 football fields. And in the middle of it, on top of the hill, is the house I had described to her. That's a plan B sale. I have a a client, everyone who's listening to this has seen them on television. I won't name them because I don't name clients. And I also have friendly competitors of theirs. But uh, they have a very famous person endorsing them. And they sell gold and silver as an investment, precious metals. And uh, I've jumped the sales dramatically of two of the people in particular by putting them on Gigi's Plan A, Plan B. Early in the first conversation, they probably responded to a television ad or have been referred to some by somebody who already does business with them. But early in the conversation, they are now trained to say and are saying quite effectively. Now, before we get rolling, let's decide what type of client you're going to be. Is this a one-time transactional purchase? You, you heard you ought to have some gold, so you call to get some. Or are you on uh, our serious inner circle plan where we begin building generational wealth on an ongoing basis? Well, there's, really, that's a big you, difference between those two things. Well, one is give me your credit card and we'll send you some gold. Right. The other one is I put you in my inner circle and you hear about things long before uh, the news or next television commercial or what have you. And uh, when there's something, they, they do a thing where if you spend so much, you get so much free gold, it gives a kickback on your own purchase. But nevertheless, it can be substantial. They had one the other day who got $10,000 in free gold based on what he bought and the fact he was in the inner circle. And that doesn't fit saying to somebody on the phone for the first time, a one-time transactional buyer, you know, and if you buy now, I'll give you $10,000 in free gold. You know, that, mm, that, no. It, yeah, right. It doesn't, somebody might offer. believe that, but they probably, uh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't yeah. believe that. Yeah. So it's, but again, 
in addition to knowing whether to treat them as a one-time non-reoccurring purchase or an ongoing thing, and then we put them on dollar cost averaging where they invest the same amount of money at least every month, uh, dollar cost averaging is a proven thing. Warren Buffett is its biggest booster uh, and put them on the dollar cost averaging general generational wealth thing which, by the way, saves them 11 sales presentations a year, 12 in the second year, wow. because we don't have to discuss it again and the value and so on. We already know that. We've already agreed we're building wealth for not only us, but our children and their children. And uh, so next month, I don't have to wonder, unless you tell me not to, we're, we're buying on your established account the amount we agreed upon. Again, they can reduce it if they want, but they tell me that mainly people call in at the last minute to increase uh, their monthly thing, if either total or for at least that month. But they're in the inner circle generational wealth building program. And it's just an entirely different mental attitude than, hi, I, what's the price of gold today? I might want to buy some. That's transactional. And you either have the lowest price or you don't. And that really gets iffy because gold is a commodity. If I called 10 gold people today, I would be within a dollar or two per ounce, no matter where I called. And the difference between the dollar or two is probably based on, I call one of them at one o'clock in the afternoon. I didn't get to the next one to 110 and the next one to 120. And the price changed in the meantime. But on dollar cost averaging, that's not one of your problems. But mainly it's locking in the cut. When you agree to, you call to find out if you were going to buy gold, you quickly agreed whether that you were going to buy gold, but was it a one-time transactional uh, event, or are you in the dollar cost averaging generational wealth program? But notice there was no yes or no. It's how are you going to buy the gold that you really hadn't decided to buy when you dialed the phone? You called to be sold. We just skipped over that. I Also in the closers part two, last chapter, page 257, I cover it in a thing called sales infiltration. That's one of my secrets. You and I have talked about that many times. I don't stand out in the yard trying to, you know, banging on the windows, trying to get in. I get in. That's assumed before you know that's any good news or bad news. I'm in. I'm talking about we and us and what we're going to do and taking your temperature with a lot of fair enough. Is that fair enough? Is that fair enough? And uh, we've discussed one time before. I have ridden into a multi-million dollar continuing relationship through sales infiltration. I have ridden a relationship with a squirrel named Buddy to, <laughs> to, to riches. <laughs> okay, now you have to tell that story. <laughs> yeah, well, I've told it before, but I don't believe everybody listens to every one of the things I say. I'm standing with some outside during a break with uh, some uh, employees, for lack of a better word, of this in investment, banker's uh, investment uh, program. 
and these guys are are doing well. They wouldn't have been at this private meeting if they weren't making over a million dollars a year. And some of them were making considerably more than that. But they still go through the normal things that everybody goes through. Uh, people didn't call back. People weren't there for the appointment that was agreed upon, et cetera, et cetera. And they said, well, uh, at least we learned to a degree how to get around gatekeepers because our boss, who's a good friend of mine, remained nameless, our boss, uh, his gatekeeper, receptionist, assistant, whatever, is the hardest gatekeeper on earth to get past. So we're talking, we're talking. And again, we're in a, one of those buildings where the center is wide open to the sky you know, four sides of wall offices and so on. And while we're talking, a squirrel comes down out of a tree, runs across the patio, climbs up on the uh, a railing that was there, runs down to the end of the railing and picks up a soda cracker that had been left there and sits back and starts nibbling on it. I said, that's cute. Who's the squirrel? And they said, well, that's Buddy. I said, the squirrel has a name? Yes, uh, he belongs to, and they refer to the, the tough gatekeeper lady. Uh, that's her squirrel. Uh, and uh, she feeds him two or three times a day, and she just loves that squirrel. So when I came home back to the countryside, I went immediately to the feed store. I'd never been in a feed store before. And I said, do you have gourmet squirrel food? And I said, oh, yeah, you know, shelf six or whatever. So I went over and there was, I picked it based on the most expensive. Uh, I figured there was a reason for that. And I bought five pounds of squirrel food, took it home, boxed it up, put it in a priority mail uh, container and sent it to Buddy the Squirrel, care of company name, street address, Pasadena, California. And uh, wait, of course, you track it. So I knew when it got there a couple of days later, uh, phone rings. It's the nice lady. She said, Ben, Buddy got his feed. He loves it. No more soda crackers for Buddy. And uh, and we laughed and giggled about it. She said, how would you know? I said, well, they told me you loved that squirrel. Its name was Buddy. And it was eating a soda cracker, which I don't think is nutritious enough for Buddy. And uh, so she said, we laughed and she said, well, thank you so much. That was so thoughtful of you. And by the way, anytime you need anything here or need to talk to anybody about anything, you call me, it's handled. And I don't really remember, but I doubt I invested $10, uh, maybe 15 counting priority mail, $15 in Buddy the Squirrel and his food. And I've made would have made most of it probably anyway, but have made millions of dollars in that relationship with that gentleman over many years. And uh, it all came down to paying attention, feeding Buddy the Squirrel, sales infiltrating them, and offering him, when I first started, plan A or plan B. You want me to drop by Hi. four times a year and chat with your folks? You want me to dig in and get serious with the winners among them? Well, I want you to dig in and get serious with the winners, and I'll pay for that. He didn't know. He just picked plan B because he didn't know it was plan A, plan B. But nowhere in there was, do you want to do business with me at all or not? Nowhere in Gigi's plan was, do you want to buy a house or not? If we get together and spend any significant amount of time together, 
you're buying. Oh, and by the way, that signed agreement, she didn't run it by a lawyer or anything. It's it's a, a gentleman's handshake agreement on paper. She uh, she said there were three or four times she thought, I guess I could use that because they bought from somebody else after I devoted time. But she said it's not worth it. And it's only happened two or three times out of dozens of sales. So and then. You know, uh, you were talking about her process, you know, being a tour guide. I get that. And you see that with car dealerships. People don't yep. have gas money. But they're going to get in the biggest, most expensive car. They'll dress up nice and they'll go, oh, yeah, I'd like to take that one for a drive. They can't drive it. They can't even get a cab out of there. But they had a nice time. <laughs> you, know, you see it. Got to drive around a big That's car. Right. Might have even gone over to a friend's house and shown off the car. Grocery store. Who knows? But, And I think I've shared this with you about my house. I bought my house in between hurricanes. Yeah, I'm right between. I'm equidistant between Katrina and Rita and we got clobbered. We got clobbered both times. And I was in a rent house. I'd sold my house and had been looking, but you know, I'm one of those people. I need to be in the house. I need to know what it feels like. If it has odd shaped rooms, I'm instantly uneasy. And if something is not, if, if it doesn't sit right, I can't be in the house. It's just, I'm one of those people I can tell when something's a half a millimeter off. So you're going to, I get, I get up and straighten pictures. Yeah, me too. I've tried, the... <laughs> I've tried to do that in hotel rooms and they're stapled to the wall, but it's crooked. <laughs> Somebody fix this. But I was 80 miles away. I was working and, you know, this real estate agent that I had been working with, she knew what I was not going to accept. I didn't want dark paneling. I didn't want houses smack on top of me. I didn't want to be close to a highway. I wanted to be out in the country. I needed windows. I needed trees. I needed squirrels. And you talk about, buddy, I've got squirrels out there. And no HOA. That was that was never going to happen. You're not going to put me in an HOA house. I got a phone call and she was quiet. She said, Denise, this house just came up today they want out they want out bad to Colorado they don't want to live in Hurricane Alley anymore she said it's available today it hasn't really hit anywhere but she said you want this house I bought it sight unseen she sent yeah. me you know the pictures of it she told me exactly what it, I was how I was going to feel when I walked in this house I signed the documents at nine o'clock at night she waited Brought me over here at 9.30 at night. And I said, yep, it's mine. My mine, mine. But I trusted her. There you go. And and with whom you feel safe. Exactly. Yeah. She knew exactly what I wanted. She, And when she said with no hesitation at all, Denise, you want this house. I went, okay. Yeah, I believed her. And I'm very happy in this house. It was a year old at the time. So it was a brand new house. I mean, it had been lived in maybe a year. It's my house. But she was right. She nailed it for me. That's it. And it's such a pleasure to deal with someone like that. It doesn't come up every few minutes because no. I don't like moving every few minutes. But uh, the few times it's come up, I've tried to use the same. I've been using Jan Dowen today, but she passed away. Oh. But she sold us the house that were in and the guest house and the dome house before it and uh 
I had just heard of her and met her when we were selling our home in Marin County. And before I could hook up with her and have her do that one, even though it was 136 miles away, somebody else came up, made us a cash offer on the spot. So it was sold before I ever discussed her, discussed it with her. But once you find somebody you know, like, and trust, and with whom you feel safe, it's not hard for them to get you on plan A or plan B. And you I'll tell you two cute stories in Marin County, big house, 156 acres surrounding it. And that was surrounded by San Francisco Bay up on top of a hill, lovely home. Uh, five, it depends on how you count, but five bedrooms and an office and a game room the size of a two-car garage. I know that because it was over a two-car garage and with a full bar and, and uh, we installed a Brunswick championship pool table. And so on. it was just really luxurious and nice. I bought it without ever going in it because Marsha, who was alive at the time, my first wife and I had discussed with the realtor exactly what we wanted. And uh, his name was Dave Shelton. And Dave called me up one day, said, I got your house, sort of like your friend. Yeah, I mean, she didn't hesitate. She knew this was my house. Yeah, Dave said, I've got it. And he knew we did a lot of entertaining in those days. He said, uh, you could entertain a small army in this house and a magnificent view, and you'll be the talk of the town to anyone who ever drives past it and looks up the hill and so on. So we bought, I said, how much? And he told me whatever it was at the time. And I said, fine. He said, you want to negotiate? I said, is that a fair price? He said, no, it's it's fair. Uh, probably get 10,000 knocked off if we argued about it for two weeks or something. I said, no, let's, let's take it. Okay. Same house, fast forward. Six months go by, I'm guessing. I'm out coming back from a dirt bike riding thing that I used to do with a dear friend of mine almost every weekend. Pull into this gas station, which is by the Yacht Harbor, which is beneath the house. And I look up at the house. It's couple hundred yards away and up on top of a hill, but I, I looked up at the house and I really wasn't talking to him. I was talking to myself covered with mud on a Yamaha 125. It wasn't like I, the King had arrived on his motorbike. It was a, a serious, it was a serious dirt bike <laughs> and I had all the dirt to prove it. So, and I, you, I got gas at this station on a regular basis, but without a helmet and mud and, and a Cadillac, not on a Yamaha 125. So I said out loud to myself, really, God, what a beautiful house, because that was except from the bay, which was even prettier from it was just a beautiful view of the house and the land around it and everything. I said, God, what a beautiful house. And I, he said, guy would come out to take my credit card, I guess, said, yeah. And the guy, the crooked son of a bitch who lives in it, stole every dollar he ever made. I said, wow, who is he? he says, I don't know. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it was envy well, and shame on you, bad it was man. Envy of a yeah. of somebody in a big house. Oh, that is just too bad. But you know that's how people get rumors started. Yeah, it, it's amazing how these things happen. And listen, when and you talk about you know you you paid the price they wanted. You know, I asked her. I said, "What was the price?" Which I thought was pretty fair. I, I'd looked at a bunch of houses at that point, and I was getting really really irritated yeah i just didn't like any of them they were overpriced i well i thought they were overpriced for what i thought they should be worth mm -hmm. because what i wanted 
And she, you know, she told me what the price was. And she, I said, do I offer fair, you know, do I offer straight up full price? She said, yes. She said, I'm going to tell you why, because we're already getting calls from New Orleans and from Texas. Companies are starting, they're trying to find ways to house their executives because they were wiped out. That house is going to be gone by midnight. And she was right. I mean, the next couple of days, she was fielding calls. I had moved into the house. It was Thanksgiving week. And some guy comes, you know, there's a courtyard in the front yard. And he comes pounding at my kitchen window, of all things. And I'm not real friendly. <laughs> really not. <laughs> I'm not going I'm not to anybody knocking on my kitchen window. No, and the window was open. You know, I was cooking. You could smell the turkey was cooking. And he said, do you live in this house? I said, do I look like I'm inside the house? And he said, <laughs> he said, well, I just want to know if it's for sale. And I said, go away. I'm not going to even offer you a drumstick. Just go away. You've already irritated. Me. Well, I want this house. Well, that's just too bad. And we had, a, you know, we had words and uh, he finally went away, but he was just bound and determined that this house was still out there on the internet and he could buy it. Well, no, you can't. <laughs> so, but it said but it said <laughs> that's right and i had to run him out it's like dude just go away and listen you know if you'd come to the front door you would see that there's a sign on there that says do not knock or ring the doorbell so you bypass that. It's the only reason you're still standing but get off of my property <laughs> so he did <laughs> but she was right we paid full price there was no quote they accepted it the next morning it was done I really believe if I had tried to say, oh, let's take it down 10,000, I wouldn't be in this home. Yeah, absolutely. And if it's right, you know, you know, trust yeah. your gut. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the house that we currently live in uh, and the guest quarters uh, came about, we were renting uh, across the street between houses, you know, wait, and Gigi and I had just gotten married. Uh, so we're we're looking for what's next and i didn't want to go till i knew what Gigi really liked i didn't want to buy something so we rented and a mile away was her elderly getting elderly mother who every time Gigi called uh and she didn't answer the phone we had to hop in the car and drive a mile and make sure she was all right invariably she was taking a bath and couldn't get to the phone or whatever or wasn't there at all i didn't know that she wasn't allowed to leave home without notifying Gigi. So having made eight or 10 of those trips, I was starting to look. Well, right across the street from the house we were renting was this lovely home, uh, two-story, four bedrooms. Like one of them I use as a personal office, but uh, four bedrooms, I guess. And across its driveway, a uh, two-bedroom uh, granny flat, I guess is what you'd call it now. But, you know, for, for my first house wasn't as as nice or as big uh, with a swimming pool and everything. So I looked over and I said to Judy, uh, I said, you know, that house solves our problem. When your mother didn't answer the phone, you walk across the driveway and make sure she's okay. And it's nicer than her house, not as historic and lovely and all, but it's it's nicer than her home and a swimming pool that was set up for a handicapped person, you know, walk-in ramps and all, because the previous owner's father lived there and uh, so on. And uh, she, she said, well, yeah. And I said, have you ever been in it? Because she was, 
she wasn't a realtor anymore, but she'd been a realtor. And she said, yeah, I was in it when they were building it. And both houses are lovely. I said, do you like them both? And she said, oh, yeah, they're really nice. So I'd never been in either house, although we lived directly across the street. And I called our realtor and said, uh, there's a house, uh, houses that I, I want for uh, Gigi. I said, get us a fair price and write it up. And that's what plan A, plan B, and someone you trust and feel comfortable with, feel safe with, does for you. He said, fine. And before the day, and, and the house wasn't for sale, by the way. The houses were not for sale. But he said, uh, I've got somebody who'd like to buy the house at a fair price. And she said, well, I've been thinking about it. My dad passed away. I don't really need the guest house. He said, how much you want? He said it. Uh, she said it. And my realtor said it was a fair price, Ben. I could have haggled with her and so on, but it was a fair price, about what I would think it would go for, net go for, not be listed originally, but go for. I said, write it up. Just write it up. So the first time I had ever been inside that house was we already owned it. Same here. And, and people it, say, Denise, were you comfortable with that? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah, if you're dealing with, you know, you know the area, I do. A nice area, as do you, uh, you know the area, you know the realtor who knows it. And by happenstance, my wife had been in it when it was being built, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years before. She was happy with it. And the guy told me, he says, you haven't even been in it. I, I said, I haven't been in the last three houses I bought. Um, I I'm buying the reputation of people. Exactly. Plan A, plan B. And exactly. if if you ever screw me, uh, you'll discover that that was a huge mistake. I will be your best friend. I will refer people to you. I will tell your story all over the country, et cetera. Right up until I walk into a house that isn't what you told me it was. Then we have an entirely different game plan. And he says, got it. <laughs> exactly. I'm and, clear on that. Right. And this is, I know we're talking a lot about real estate and our, our personal stories, but there's a point to these stories. The point is that when you connect with people, when you do your best by them, you know, yeah, you're selling something. That's your job. You're supposed to be selling something. But when you absolutely connect with them and you listen and you understand what it is that they need and you give them options on how to work with you. That's not just connecting, that's networking, and it can build for years, yeah. years, and years, and years, which is really, as salespeople, what we want. The uh, if, uh, I bought, as I've told you in the past, to give away mainly, but I bought and or leased over 600 uh, luxury automobiles, Cadillacs, Lincolns, Stutz, Bearcats, Rolls Royces, etc., mainly as contest prizes. All of them, until the last few years where we don't do that anymore, were bought from two salespeople, grand total. One in Marin County, that Marin Bay, Lincoln Mercury, Herc's place. Oddly enough, you were fascinated by, I guess, his name, but Herc was the guy. And then a Cadillac dealer when we moved up to this area in Sacramento, about 300 cars each. And I bought all 600 from Herc, but he uh, retired, sold the dealership. And and so on because once you find somebody that you know like and trust i make them vice presidents of car buying 
or vice presidents of real, real estate or vice president of whatever the category is, I'm looking for something. You can get the product anywhere. I mean, right. the world is not short on cars. Uh, so what I'm looking for is the person. The car is secondary. The house is secondary. The uh, tailor is secondary. Everything is secondary to do I know, like, and trust you. And then I'm smart enough to put you on either plan A or plan B if you're a customer. And plan B is my very, very favorite because now I have infiltrated them. We're on the same team. We're doing the same thing. We're looking out for each other. And if, if you do well, I'll do well. So it's my job to make sure you do well. We, I don't know if we've talked about this, Ben. It's just kind of a thought bubble popped in over my head while you were talking about that. But referrals, and I'm not talking about affiliate marketing, although there's certainly a place for affiliate marketing. Sure. Referrals. My clients tend to come. I'm not going to say 100%, but it's darn close from referrals from people who have done business with me or, and I've always found this fascinating, people who have never done business with me. They've never even spoken with me, but they know me. They know the work I do. They know my reputation. Yep. They will refer. Absolutely. So it happens quite a bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm forever being asked by, you know, these people who are going to have some amazing new program where they get me more leads and I can handle them <laughs> and so on. I said, I'm fine. I don't need any more leads. Well, how do you get your your new customers? I said, well, I, I rarely have an opening, but when I do, I get it through referrals. Well, where do you run your ads? I haven't run an ad in 30 years. Me I either. I, I don't trade off my ad. reputation. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. And I've had people say, well, Denise, you know, how do you, how do you build your business without Google ads or Facebook ads, which is all fairly new since I, st I started 20 years ago. But it's always been word of mouth, reputation, referrals, always. I don't run, I don't pay people to run ads. Right? I probably should because I have a new thing coming up that I may run some, you know, quick Facebook or LinkedIn ads, but it's not going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's just not. But okay. yeah, I get it. You know, word of mouth, referrals, be who you said you were going to be and keep that connection open. Young and or new salespeople that you can be. 70 and still a new salesperson don't want to hear that and frankly it's easier for you and me to talk about it because we've been at our businesses our respective businesses for some time wow. so we, we build up referral business but the good news is just like pedaling a bike to the top of the hill you then get to ride all the way down without touching the pedals or anything trading on we make a very good living on any one of 35 books that I've written. And I haven't written it under my name. I've ghostwritten the book. We did one last month, finished one last month. But oh, under my name, I, line. You said you were going to do the forward for my book. Can you write the book too? Uh, no. Because uh -huh. I don't want to charge you what I would charge. And I despise writing. Despise until the first sentence is written, which is the last <laughs> sentence in the book. Right. Uh, you tell then, me that. Yeah. But then the first sentence 
it's like pulling teeth. But I once I get rolling, it's addictive. I, I can't wait to get to the computer to write some more. Uh, but uh, and and with the forwards, frequently I say to someone, I, I'm not going to have time to do your book justice. And you know your material far better than I do. So you write the forward and <laughs> send it to me and I'll benize it. I'm yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, you told me that once. And I was like, that's exactly what happens when you leave a job and you say, well, you, you know, write me a reference. And I'll say, all right, it, put it on my desk. I'll sign it. All right. Because <laughs> it's going to be flowing. <laughs> it's and going you, to be lyrical. <laughs> you write, yeah, you rise to godlike stature when, <laughs> when you get to write it. Yeah, right. Well, we're nearing the end, and that's your job yeah. to tell me. However, uh, does the new shift in your uh, station, for lack of a better word, affect our listeners at all, or does life just no, go on? Life just goes on. I'm moving from Blog Talk Radio for God, so many reasons. Uh, and I'll be moving to Hello Audio again for so many reasons, but no, everything stays the same. On Apple, Audible, Stitcher, it's it's everywhere. It's not going to go away. okay so tell me and i know we are just we've got about four or five more minutes where can people find you mostly because we're talking about the sales bibles the closers i really am hoping that as people listen to us they buy at least one and two and have those books cracked open while we're talking because i always mention what chapter we're in so where can people find those go to store this is special pricing free shipping still has their unconditional lifetime money-back guarantee, and they bring them to me, different company, but they bring them to me for signing and dating. So nothing changes. Order by two, they go out the same day. After that, they go out the next day. You go to stores, S-T-O-R-E-S dot eBay dot com, C-O-M, forward slash this is all one word, Ronzoni Books, R-O-N-Z-O-N-E-B-O-O-K-S. And uh, they will bring me your books. I'll sign them, date them, and they'll be off to you that day. And uh, as I said, lifetime money-back guarantee. And when you go to the to that thing, up will come other things that we offer, other books and so on. But it, as Denise said, at least get parts one and two. Those are the ones that I'm constantly, well, number two, you know, part two is the one that I'm always in. It's They sit here literally to the right of my desk. I don't even have to get out of my chair. I can reach over and grab one or both of them. Tell people with your email address so they can contact you about, about your mentoring program. Yeah, I do a mentoring program similar to what Dr. Napoleon Hill did for me. And he helped me design it. And then before we could launch it, he passed away. But if you'd like to know about that, just shoot me an email to B as in Ben, F as in Frank, G as in Gay, the number three, BFG3, at DirectCon, short for Direct Connect, D-I-R-E-C-T-C-O-N as in November, dot net. And I'll get right back to you and send you the information on the mentoring program. Now tell them how they can reach you. Oh, you can't throw a stick on the internet without hitting me or you as a result of this podcast, your partner in successradio.com. And, you know, of course, what we're doing every Wednesday, the Closers Inner Circle podcast. Um, I'm easy to find. It's mail, M-A-I-L, 
let mail at yourofficeontheweb.com. And I'm mentioning that because I really, Ben and I want to hear your questions about sales or even comments about what we're talking about. We're talking about squirrels today. You have a squirrel story <laughs> share it with us. But we really do want to hear from you because we listen, and I mentioned this the last time we were talking. One of the things that I'm going to be doing next week with my friend David Brown, that he is a businessman answer plan, is we're going to have a Zoom call where we're asking people. We really want to ask you if you're a new podcaster, you want to be a podcaster, you want to be a guest. What is it that you really want to know? There's a lot of a lot of people putting out terrific, you know, really terrific courses and a lot of information out there. But I have a sneaky suspicion that some of it is overwhelming. It really is. I mean, I know practically everything there is to know about podcasting at this point. And I read some of these and go, I think you're you're confusing people. You're not asking them what they really want, what they really need, what is consuming them, what are they afraid of. So that's what we're going to be doing next week. But that page will go up, I think today or tomorrow, but it'll be out there on social media. So everybody just find us, look for us, go to yourpartnerinsuccessradio.com. You can find us on Audible, Stitcher, anywhere. It's never going to change. You're still going to find us. And Ben, we've got one more minute. What are we talking about next week? Well, I didn't think you were going to ask, but I just picked it out and uh, put the book away. So let me get oh. it out. <laughs> uh, it is Save As Much As You Want, starting on page 71 in the Closers Part 2. Save as much as you want. Okay, got it. Well, listen, everybody, thank you for joining us. We will see you next week, Ben. Thank you. Give Gigi my love. I will. And our love to you. Take care. Thank you. Bye.